The end of May to around the end of July is a pretty hectic time in the Canadian track meet schedule. This past weekend, I was in Hamilton for a twilight meet. This weekend, I'll be in London for Trackymania, the Inferno, 1500 meter night, provincials, nationals, the list goes on and on. This week on the Terminal Mile, we're paying close attention to the track and some of its characters. Charles Philbert Thibodeau joins us to talk about what's coming up in his season, literally changing the way he runs in the pursuit of victory, and overcoming setbacks. But first, Scott McDonald joins us to preview one of Canada's only professional track meets, the Speed River Inferno, coming up quickly. And let me tell you, we have a big name to announce. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Instagram and Twitter, a Tracky Radio production. The Speed River Inferno is a thing of legends in southwestern Ontario. So it goes, if you get the invite to run, well, you accept it. On this week's show, we have Scott McDonald, this year's organizer, and this year's event will be showcasing 10 different Olympians, including a true pillar of the sport. Listen very closely. You are not going to want to miss this. We're just a a couple weeks away from the Speed River Inferno, less than a couple weeks away now, Uh, perhaps that would be a great place to start if we could start uh, talking about maybe some some basic details. How do people get tickets? When is it? Uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, sure. Um, the uh, Speed River Inferno Track and Field Festival is taking place June 13th. That's uh, a Wednesday evening. And you can get tickets at uh, speedriverinferno.com. Um, and... Uh, there's also some other options. There's a pre-meet that people can register for on uh, it's up on Tracky now to register. Um, that's going to happen sort of in the afternoon, kind of four to six. There's also a, a community kind of race, a campus mile, which runs through campus, the University of Guelph, and then finishes on the track, um, which is a pretty cool little um, little event. And that uh, registration for that gets you. Uh, gets you into the inferno as a spectator as well so um yeah some pretty cool things happening and uh yeah just under two weeks away now well we we've got a lot to talk about uh with this event i mean it's it's gone through a ton of changes uh obviously chris moulton uh you you are the new chris moulton as far as this event goes um like I said, we we have yeah, a, big shoes to fill there. Oh, for <laughs> sure, we there. There's a lot to talk about with with this event, but let's cut straight to the chase. Who can we expect to see there? Who are who are the big names headlining this event? Um, probably the one that's shaping up the most right now is the men's 800. Um, it's looking pretty exciting. We've uh, we can announce uh, that we do have a, a pretty big name coming in in uh, Nick Willis. Known more for his 1500 meter running, but uh, he was looking for an 800 uh, at this time. So, uh, two-time Olympic medalist uh, coming up to run uh, to run 800 against uh, Anthony Romano, our own um, Speed River athlete and Olympian, um, and then a few other athletes in there as well. Pretty good. Uh, like Corey Belmore is going to run um, a pretty good range of sort of 145 to 148 guys. So that should be a pretty good race. Um, Brandon McBride is going to come and run actually the 400 in the pre-meet, but then he's going to come back with pacing duties for these guys in the, in the 800. So that should be a pretty exciting one to watch. Um, the women's hurdles is shaping up to be, to be pretty good as well. What we're going to do this year is, uh, um, we, um, we want to sort of foster some, 
uh, competition. We think in terms of entertainment, that's uh, uh, the most exciting thing to watch is head-to-head competition. So we're going to have uh, quite a bit of interest in in the 200s and the hurdles. Um, so we're going to run a first sort of race in the pre-meet, and then the top eight times from that will advance to the to getting lanes in the inferno. Um, so a little bit of competition there, and then that should make for a really good uh, race in the evening as well. Um, we also have women's 1500 is looking pretty good. Jen Lalonde, Olympian locally, that's going to run. Um, Lauren Paquette is coming up. She's a 409. 1500 meter runner so we're hoping to get a sort of sub 410 race there um it's also the national championships for 10,000 meters so that's how we'll close out the show at the end of the day and uh, not only is it nationals this year but it's also the selection trials for NACAC later on in the summer in Toronto so um lots of other events too that'll be that'll be really good we're also featuring a junior 1500 um for the girls and the guys so hoping to get uh lots of athletes under that world junior standard um we figured it would was a good time for the last week of qualifying for world juniors Hmm. um so between that and the uh london 1500 meter night on the weekend we got a couple of shots at it for those athletes to to get after those standards so lots of exciting things on the go you know, if we could just backtrack to that, to that 800 for a second with, uh, you know, you said Brandon McBride going to be pacing, Nick Willis is going to be there, Anthony Romanu, uh, Corey Belmore. Those are some, some pretty big names. What's, uh, what's the pace being set down? Like what, uh, how fast is Brandon McBride going to be running? Um, we haven't confirmed that yet. Uh, we're going to sort of talk to Anthony and Nick and some of the others and see what kind of pace they want. We want them to sort of dictate what they, uh, what they're looking for at this time. But, uh, but we're confident that a guy like Brandon McBride can handle whatever they throw at him. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we haven't established an exact, but you know, it'd be really, really neat to see an 800 meters on Canadian soil at that sort of 145 range. Um, I think that would be, uh, that would be exciting for for the crowd, and uh, uh, obviously something really good for uh, for Anthony right right on home soil. Well, I mean, you're kind of hitting on some, something here, and uh, that is the fact that if you want to go see a professional track and field meet in Canada, your options are really dwindling at this point. Uh, you know, I think you can pretty much count them on on one hand. And uh, you guys faced a couple setbacks this year. Uh, you know what's what's going on as far as that, and how, how have you uh, managed with those setbacks? Yeah, I mean we're still excited about um, about the fields we're we're putting together, but we did have a setback in that uh, um, the it's really they it really scaled back the NTL, the National Track League, um, really down to the two meets, Hair Jerome and uh, the Inferno. Um, sort of sad to see meets like the Eileen Marr um, and Halifax go this year. And um, it really is dwindling, the, the domestic competitions. And, and then this year they've, uh, they've sort of done away with the NTL and, and we lost some, some funding, some hosting grants. Um, so we weren't able to reach out and, and fly in as many of the international athletes as, as we would have liked. Um, but we're really, uh, we really feel it's important to continue to have strong domestic competitions. Um, and we hope the Inferno will sort of, um, you know, keep that tradition going. Um, and we've also been in talks, uh, I've been discussing the last couple of weeks with a few other meat directors in the area, 
about uh, trying to get a series going in the future on our own, uh, certainly within Ontario, um, because we need high-level competitions for our athletes. And uh, uh, without that support and without people supporting those meets, um, people have to get on a plane, head south or um, or even over to Europe and, and hope that they can get into some meets. So we really feel it's important to provide this opportunity for athletes to compete domestically in Canada and to bring to bring up some athletes for them to compete again. So we do have some good partners. Um, my friends in Michigan are always very supportive of this meet over the years, so, uh, so that's part of how we were able to get Nick Willis coming, and he's going to bring a few of his training partners. Um, so we do have some people coming in um, mostly from the States, but uh, um some really, really good fields and competition considering um, the hit we took in terms of funding this year. You know, something that uh, has always been brought up is is the fact that um, the Inferno is really a community affair. I mean, you guys have the, the campus mile, uh, but, you know, you can always look up in the stands and they may not be packed, but, the, you know, you can you can see a bunch of victors. You can see, uh, you know, a bunch of the, the junior guys like it's it's a full community sort of thing. Have you guys added anything or, you know, what are you doing to continue to, to foster that community attitude? And second of all, follow up to that. In the Campus Mile last year, we watched Dave Scott Thomas run just over seven minutes in a mile, which I think is is a little bit soft. Do you think he's going to be running this year? And do you think that uh, he could maybe better that time? <laughs> I'm sure he could better that time. Uh, I don't know. I haven't actually haven't checked with Dave to see if he might run. I know he's run with his daughter. Uh, a couple of times um, when we had the downtown mile and uh, um, he's usually game for that type of thing. But uh, no, it is, it's a very strong running community in, uh, in Guelph. I'm discovering more and more, even um, last night uh, there was an event, um, Alex Hutchinson had a sort of book signing and speaking engagement that was sponsored by the victors um, and a huge turnout for that. Uh, which was great, and we're we're promote they're promoting a little bit of um, something we're doing the night before the Inferno on June 12th, which is a marathon night, um, where Dave uh, Scott Thomas is going to speak to uh, how um, he prepared his marathoners this year for for performances um, with Krista Duchesne joining him, uh, who was third at Boston Marathon. Uh, Reed Cool said it was ninth at the Boston Marathon, and John Mason, who I think is ranked number one in Canada right now with his time and uh, in Rotterdam. So they're going to do sort of a sit down and talk about how they prepared to to compete at those major marathons. So that'll be the night before, and uh, we're hoping to get a real good um, turnout from the community on that. And then, of course, the campus mile as well is uh, is something that's really we do for the for the community to make them feel a part of it. I think it's I think it's a pretty cool thing. Run through campus, finish on the track, the same track that uh, that the Olympians are going to be running on uh, just minutes afterwards. So I think it's a pretty neat thing. And then uh, and then they can go up into the stands and enjoy the show. You know, we uh, we we mentioned Chris Moulton before, and uh, if if any of our listeners haven't checked out the uh, the Something in the Water uh, podcast, there's a full episode on uh, on the history of the Inferno, and you can really see how you know he was closely tied to pretty much that the entire growth of this all. Um, you know, has he has he been helping you out? How, what's the transition been like? Oh yeah, Chris's uh, his office is not far from uh, from mine, so. 
I'm uh, probably driving crazy going in, knocking on the door and sitting down and uh, bouncing some ideas off of him. And he's still going to be involved. Uh, in fact, he's uh, he's going to be sort of hosting the uh, alum, an alumni and uh, VIP party as part of uh, part of the event. We have uh, there's a new football pavilion uh, with the patio on top, and they're going to be set up up there and uh, some of the best seats in the house to to enjoy the show as well. So yeah, Chris is never too far away and still. Bill's very active within within the club, helping with. Um, he's sort of the lead guy now uh, on our extreme team, which is our kids program from five to twelve. Um, and his daughter is one of the participants, and he sort of leads the charge on that. So he's he's not too far away from the sport, um, but uh, but not fully into it uh, the way he has been in the past. You know, I, I know it was a subject that uh, that came up last year. I personally. I don't see a whole lot of reasoning to this, but, uh, you know, I'll give you the chance right now, you know, people looking at the ticket price, $10, what are they getting for that $10? Well, I think it's something we want to bring to, uh, to the sport is, uh, it is a, an entertainment package. So, um, as much as, uh, you know, those, those of us who are the sort of track nerds who just love to go and watch track and field meets, um, we haven't done a great job of uh, of bringing in new fans and entertaining the the masses. Um, so we are going to bring or want to bring some new sort of excitement to to the event and get some sort of music pumping and uh, real good uh, announcing. We've got a video board at the alumni stadium that we're going to be using. Um, and uh, even working with uh, the Griffins team that works with football. Um, and in fact, they're hosting a, a CFL game the week before, so we're going to use some of those ideas to to really um, add to what is already an entertaining package. I mean, watching watching people compete at a high level is, is entertainment, um, and we, we want to show the people of the community that, uh, that it is entertaining. Um, but, you know, some of those other bells and whistles and excitement around the event is something we want to, we want to bring to our sport and to the people already involved in the sport. So they, so they can see how much of an atmosphere can be built around a track and field competition. All right. So just one more thing. Uh, perhaps we can, we can bring it all around and, and mention where people can, can pick up tickets uh, when the event is and uh, how, how they can really enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, June 13th and tickets you can get at speedriverinferno.com. Uh, and they are $10. Uh, kids 12 and under are free. Um, so we've been trying to hit up the schools and, uh, and get kids excited about it as well and, uh, and bring their parents and, and have a good time. We're going to block off, uh, some areas up top with, uh, with some entertainment and food trucks and things like that as well. So, uh, yeah, pick up your tickets at, uh, speedriverinferno.com or if you're, if you're feeling fit and ready to go, you can always register for the, uh, the campus mile of the pre-meet as well. He's Scott McDonald. He is Mr. Inferno this year. And uh, yeah, that meet is just a, a couple of weeks away. Uh, as far as the announcers go, I hear you got a couple of hacks, but don't let that scare you away. Uh, I think they're okay anyways. I, I think so, yeah. I think uh, um, they're uh, the two guys who know the sport pretty well and yourself and uh, and Dave, Scott Thomas. So um, we we really feel like that's part of the entertainment as well and making sure that uh, 
that it's uh, that we're educating the crowd on what's happening out on the track and telling the stories of the athletes um, that are out there and, and knowing their background and how hard they've worked to, to be out there showing you and showcasing their talents. Oh, for sure. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show this week, man, and uh, really looking forward to this inferno. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. Charles Philibert Thibodeau is probably one of my favorite runners out there right now. You have to love his story of graduating school, giving the pro track thing a try, and finding a whole new level of speed, landing spots in Diamond League races, as well as the Olympics. Now, last year was a bit of a bummer for CPT with injuries and the like, and we talk a bit about that, but we also talk about a whole lot more. Park City, Utah, man. That's, uh... (laughs) Utah's a pretty happening place if you're if you're a distance runner in Canada. Um, perhaps you you might want to explain what you're doing there, and and uh, maybe if you've uh, if you've run into any other uh, you know fast Canadian studs while you while you've been down there. Uh, well, usually the uh, Athletics Canada camp takes uh, actually takes place in Flagstaff in April, uh, so you, that's where you're going to see most Canadians uh, during the spring season. Uh, however, this year I. I I, I was working on uh, rehabbing some injuries in March and April, so I decided to push back my camp to May. And uh, actually, right now, there's a, I'm here in Park City because there's a camp organized by the Quebec Federation. And we are close to 30 athletes from the Quebec Federation, from the province, uh, up at the altitude and training out here. And it's been uh, amazing so far. I bet, I bet. I mean, just taking a look at Felix's group alone, uh, you know, there's some pretty big names and stuff in there. Who are some of the guys training with that uh, that group, and, and who's down there training with you? Uh, well, right now there's uh, Nicolas Morin, who's definitely been uh, pushing me in some speed workouts. Uh, Jean-Simon de Gagné is also running out in great shape. Uh, there's also Guillaume Ouellet, which is uh, the Paralympian from our group. Uh, Eve Sikuwabo is also here. Uh, we also got a great group of girls, Aurélie Dubilavois, Catherine Gagné, uh, 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 Emma Galbraith. Uh, and I'm, I'm missing some people. We're, we're really, really a big group. And uh, it's nice because uh, we're able to help out each other every time we hit the track or the trails. So it's been, it's been really good. Well, man, I got to tell you, it's, it's been a good solid minute since you've been on the show. So I, Forgive me if I want to take it back, you know, just uh, just a little bit. But, you know, I'm thinking of the last time that, that we really saw you on the track, you know, last year. I mean, that season ended up being such a bummer, um, you know, with you going out injured and stuff. However, there's something interesting that happened in November when we saw you at, at Cross Country Nationals. Uh, we'll pick that up in, in just a second. But tell me what happened between the end of your summer and when we saw you at Cross Country Nationals. I did take a really big break because my body was just crumbling apart. Uh, at, at the by the end of July, I had uh, gathered injuries in the lower back, the shin, and the Achilles in the span of uh, literally a couple of weeks. So I really needed some time off because uh, uh, not only physically I needed to recover, but also mentally because uh, trying to train really hard and push your body to try to hit standards where when you're uh, you're hurting so much and you wake up in the morning and everything hurts and running is not fun anymore. Uh, I needed a big break. So at the end of, the Ju- of July, I took a big break, started to run again in September. Um, in September, I was able to uh, get uh, 
a, a good chunk of uh, treatment with my physio team. Uh, that I have one based out of Montreal and one based in Vancouver. And uh, throughout all fall, I was able to progress through training, but also uh, I was able to get a, a good amount of uh, physio treatment and uh, um, I, I did put a lot of time in rehab. So that's why I showed up at Cross Nats, I think, uh, fairly fit. And uh, in the weeks leading to Cross Nats, I also went to Vancouver for, uh, for physio, but also for training with the BC Endurance Project and Luke. I think Luke was, was probably in his best fitness ever. So I got to uh, hang with him in the weeks leading to Cross Nats. And I think that's, that's how I got to uh, decent, uh, I guess, long-distance fitness uh, when I, I was at the Canadian Nationals. So, you know, speaking of the BC Endurance uh, Project, it was the Friday before, you know, his, his cross-country nationals was on the Saturday, but on the Friday before, I bumped into uh, into Justin Kent, and uh, Justin said, uh, tomorrow, two guys that you're going to watch are Luke and Charles. They're the two guys you want to watch right off the line. You can't miss them. So, <laughs> you, you know, you had my, you had, he had my interest uh, then and there, but, uh, you know, perhaps you could, you could tell me how that race went, and, and where where did that plan come from? Uh, well, we we know we know with the workouts that we were both pretty fit, and uh, I think by looking at the results from every other group or every other Canadian on the circuit and uh, the cross country circuit back last fall, that uh, if we decided to, like we were calling it out, if we decided to full send to go full send right from the start, I don't we. We thought that nobody would be able to match us and hang on. And, uh, I mean, the day before the race, the course was absolutely perfect. It was really dry and really fast. And this is typically the type of conditions I'm really good at in cross-country. But the day of the race, it started to pour. And uh, it got really, really, really muddy. And I'm I'm definitely not a mud runner. Luke is. But uh, we were so committed to... Uh, take off the line right off the start really fast and uh, impose a really fast pace from the start and just send a message that we want to dominate this race that I was already committed even though it was muddy so I I, I told myself what the hell I'm just going to go with Luke and see how it goes but uh, he ended up I mean he ended up crushing me but uh, I won't I won't I won't I won't put it only because of the mud. I think it was actually fitter than I was, but uh, the mud did, definitely didn't help me, but stuck to the plan and uh, got off the, the line real fast. Well, man, I mean, like, that that was impressive, but, like, what really stuck with me uh, was, yeah, sure, you guys went out together and, you know, you fell back a little bit and you looked like you were suffering fairly early on in the race, but you, you held with it and, like, you bounced back and, uh, you know, you were able to finish the race so, so strong. Um, I got to think that that must have taken a lot of mental fortitude and stuff as well, too. I mean, last year was kind of a tough year for you. Did you, you know, pick up anything as far as that goes? You know, what's what's your mental game like when you're racing? I mean, it's always to give your 100%, right? Uh, I'm not definitely not the, not the type of guy to shut it down whenever it's not going well. And, uh, I mean... Uh, when Luke took off after a lap and uh, I could just see myself slowing down, uh, I mean, there was always the hope that uh, I would get a magical bounce back and get him at the end, but that definitely didn't come through. But, uh, you know, it's just a matter of holding on and 
I was just trying to keep him in my vision and say, look, like you're in, you're in second right now, second in the nation. It's really not that bad. You're suffering, but uh, and maybe it's not what you expected in, in terms of performance, but you got to stick with it because objectively this race is still going decent. So you just got to grind through it. And uh, I mean, for a miler, um, I usually race between three minutes and a half and four minutes. Uh, I just take it as a great mental workout to be able to grind out for half an hour. And uh, after that, when you toe the line for some speed work or an 800 or a 1500, uh, everything feels easy mentally almost. For sure, for sure. I mean, so when when I last talked to you, uh, I think we, we touched base at the end of March, middle of March, and uh, you were coming off some injuries then as well too. How are you feeling now? I'm feeling great. I'm actually uh, feeling the best I've, uh, I don't want to hype it up too much, but I'm feeling the best I've ever been in uh, end of May, I guess. Um, this winter has been really hard because uh, the injuries that I had last summer came back this winter because I was down in Florida for a while and uh, I didn't get sufficient uh, uh, treatments and uh, I guess a rehab follow-up. Uh, however, I was able to travel to Vancouver in March and April. And uh, the plan I set up with my coach and my physio from Vancouver was to uh, go all in on the rehab in March and April and make sure that like, it doesn't come back. And I was already on the good track in the fall. So um, going back to uh, that state where everything was kind of falling into place, uh, it, did be- it did come back fairly quick. But once we were able to come back to that state and uh, modify some things in the, in my running stride and my biomechanics, then it was all about building strength on that. And that took a while in April. But uh, things have really turned around since my uh, 5K opener at Stanford. And uh, I'm, I'm actually I've got, I'm faster than ever. Yeah. I, I mean, I was going to talk to you a little bit about that uh, that 5K. How, how did that go? I mean, like, you were a little bit off your PB, but, I mean, given you were coming off injury and stuff, it looked like it was a pretty decent race. Yeah, well, that, that's, that was part of the struggle I had this spring. Uh, one thing we've been working on in the last year in order to get rid of my injuries is actually, was actually to uh, change my running form. And I know this, is, this could be pretty controversial, but... Uh, some coach would never want to go through this process, but I feel like uh, the before right now, every time I did speed work, uh, something would hurt in my back because of my running form that wasn't proper. Uh, and you know, modifying your your running form when you're at the age of 27 is something that's really really hard. It takes a lot of uh, uh, work ethic uh, to be able to do all the physio exercises, but also all the the work in the in the gym in order to strengthen your new uh, way of running, and March and April was kind of like a buffer month where uh, I did have my new running form, but I was lacking speed, endurance, and power in this running form, and that's why uh, my results were not the best, but uh, they were actually improving pretty quick because I raced on the roads in uh, Boston and I ran 14.04 there uh, in a race that was won in 13.40. So I was way off the win. 
but uh, then two and a half weeks later, I'm able to toe the line on the uh, on the track and run 13:39, and and not in the best way because I came through the 3K in 8:06, which is I mean, I just went with the pack, but it was too fast for me. I knew it was too fast. So I kind of blew up, and it's definitely not the best way you can run a 5K. But there was still a big improvement from two weeks and a half before that, uh, having gained speed and endurance and power with my new running form. And it, it seems like since I've raced that and I've come up at altitude, speed has really been has really picked up. And uh, the work in the gym, I've gone from doing only physio work to actually putting load uh, doing squats and split squats and stuff like that, but doing it properly, and uh, I'm I'm seeing some real gains now, and I'm getting really excited for the summer. Oh man, for sure, for sure. And it's it's always good to see you know you do well on the track and stuff. Last year was also a little bit unfortunate as well too because we didn't see you uh, really in in any Diamond League meets. Do you have anything planned for the summer? Like what's uh, what's coming up? So I'm headed uh, on. Um, on uh so june 1st i don't know if uh, this will air before or after uh, however i'm headed june 1st to uh europe uh, i got my first race race of the year lineup which will be in prague it's going to be a 1500 and uh it the field is stacked there is a, a moroccan guy that ran 331 there's Jakub olusa there's a charlie grice luke matthews and uh, probably another like five or six guys that have run 334 335 in the past so i'm really looking forward to this opener because i think i'm really ready to run fast even though it's only going to be my opener and uh i'm going to get you guys excited because 10 days after that i'm going to be running a 3k in ostrava so um i know a lot of coaches and people out there think that i'm a 5k guy honestly i don't think so but i do think 3k is definitely uh, within my range and i'm excited to get going a really fast outdoor tree game man you know you're, you're talking about these big races and stuff and and one one guy that comes to mind is uh is your agent chris now i noticed chris took a new job and stuff however i'm hearing that he's still you know looking after you still looking after after Corey. uh what's the deal with him yeah he got uh i mean he got this new opportunity of the job that he just uh, could have uh, passed and uh, I think he's going to do really well with it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, Corey, Lewis, Kent, and myself are incredibly incredibly lucky because uh, um, while Chris is definitely uh, drifting away from uh, the sport of track and field as a whole, uh, he still decided to keep us and make us his own little treasure of, uh, or like having fun with us, fun representing us. And uh, I think we're incredibly lucky that uh, he's sticking with us, even though he's got a new job. And uh, it's, it's the best because, uh, honestly, his uh, contacts through Europe uh, or even the, in the U.S. for all the, the big meets are uh, unparalleled. He, he knows everyone. And if you want to race somewhere, he's going to know the guy. And he's going to know who to, who to call. And uh, I, I'm incredibly fortunate that he decided to stick... Uh, with me, but also with the two other guys. And uh, I mean, it's, it's a small group, but uh, I think he's uh, having a lot of fun with us and we're definitely having a lot of fun with him and uh, really fortunate that he's sticking with us. 
you know, speaking of uh, of another uh, big impact guy in, in Canadian track, uh, the last time that we talked, uh, it was just after Nate Brennan had retired, and um, you know, I was asking around to see if if people could uh, you know lend some voice clips to uh, to talk about him, just because he was like he was he was a legend, and there was you know a lot of people who who came forward to talk about him, and uh, you were one of them, and and uh, I really appreciate it, and I'm almost 100 percent sure that uh, that Nate did as well too. What did uh, what did Nate mean to you, and what do you think that he meant to uh, you know the fifteen hundred meter and the mile in Canada? Oh man, it's uh, it's funny how things evolve when you're a runner because uh, obviously when you're younger you go from uh, being a fanboy of like seeing all these uh, pro runners and you're being a fanboy like you're seeing them as gods, but then you start to get better and you start to compete against these guys and. Uh, I mean, that's the natural evolution of things. And for me, uh, I remember vividly watching Nate at the 2008 and 2012 Olympics. And then in 2014, it was uh, probably the first time where I had the level to uh, go head to head against him. And he was a man, he was a fierce competitor. And uh, you, you, you always remember that, you know, when, uh, when you start making your way up, um, uh, you you start to uh, realize what it takes to be at the top level, and uh, rubbing uh, rubbing shoulders with Nate for the first time in 2014. Then that's when I got to realize uh, the the type of uh, dedication, but also the type of competitiveness it takes to be at the, at the top level. And uh, once I realized that, he he then became my teammate at the Pan Am Games and. Uh, the Olympic Games, of course. So it's it's amazing to be able to go from competitor to well, we're still competing together, but at least we can share a moment uh, through being in the same team and cheering for one another and pushing one one another th- through the competition. And uh, you know, uh, when you look at the the history of a Canadian 1500 meter running. There was Grand Hood, there was Kevin Sullivan, there was Nate Brennan, and uh, there is a spot to fill now. And uh, I, I feel like uh, I need to, uh, I need to do whatever it, it takes to fill that, fill up that spot because uh, there is a great tradition of world class smiling in Canada and. We cannot let it let it die. So um, I'm doing my best in order to replace the big hole that uh, Nate Nate's retirement will leave in uh, Canadian miling. Well, man, I honestly got to tell you, I don't think that there is a better guy to uh, to take over that spot. Where 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 can we see you for the rest of the year, man? You you mentioned a couple races, but uh, you know, are you coming back to Canada for for any races this summer? You know, anywhere in North America. Yes, so uh, so far plan. I got the race in Prague and the race in Ostrava. Oddly, both in Czech Republic, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be coming back to uh, Canada for the first time in probably six weeks. Uh, I'll get some uh, training uh, at home in Quebec City. Uh, I'm actually gonna race uh, Twilight Beat we're holding holding in Quebec City. It's I uh, can't remember. It's on the 23rd or 24th of June. I'll be racing the 800 meters. Um, I'm expecting the PB there, but then I'll be jumping in the 5K and trying to pace uh, everyone uh, at least through 4K for a f- sub-14 pace. 
So I'm really looking forward that night. It's going to be a good night of uh, training, but also a good night of giving back to the guys in the team. And then, of course, there will be, there will be nationals. Uh, I'm throwing this out there. We're, we're talking maybe about doubling 5K at 1,500 meters. Uh, we're thinking about it, so uh, I'll, I'm going to tell everyone to keep an eye on that. And then, um, uh, of course, uh, the goal is to go back in Europe and try to hit up the Diamond League races. But, of course, for that, I, I will need to post some fast times in the coming weeks in my first trip to Europe. So we'll see how that goes. Well, man, after watching you at cross country last year, I think you have some uh, some good running karma, and uh, <laughs> you know the fitness is coming around. Man, I hope nothing for the best for you this season, and hopefully we get to we get to see you fly, man. Thanks a lot for being on the show this week. Well, it's always a pleasure, Michael. So uh, thanks for having me, and uh, have a good one. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, both Scott as well as Charles, as well as to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, you can do so at the Terminal Mile. We're on Twitter and Instagram under that handle. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and of course, tracky.ca. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. <laughs>